Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. You are live in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And we are live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio here in Las Vegas. We are a day closer to seeing this version of the Raiders, this May 24th, 25th, 26th-ish version uh, of the Raiders uh, out at the practice facility in Henderson. Remember, the Raiders started day one of phase three of their OTA, their, their off-season program, yesterday on Monday. Uh, So uh, we'll get a chance as the media to take a look uh, at what this Raider team looks like at this point. And I cannot wait. Uh, And we're asking the question to to our listeners. uh, And you can give us a call at 702-365-9200. What are you most excited to hear about, read about, um, see on video, see pictures of, whatever the case might be, uh, when we actually get on the field uh, on Thursday? What is it that also concerns you about this roster. There's no perfect roster uh, in the NFL. Every team from here to New York to Washington to Seattle uh, and everywhere in between uh, are working around, um, you know, some some weak spots uh, on the roster. You only have an infinite amount of money to spend every year uh, and a salary cap to deal with it. Uh, on top of all that, and so you're not going to have a um, Hall of Fame Willie Mays type player at every single position. There's positions and there's areas that you just have to kind of work around and hope for the best at and coach up uh, and mask if you have to or help out, uh, lend some help. Remember Rich Ornberger yesterday, former NFL lineman, talked about, hey, uh, your job as a coach is to figure out not only what a player can do, but sometimes what he can't do. And if you're asking him to uh, do things that he can't do, that's on you. That's a coaching uh, issue. If there's certain things that they're not proficient at, figure out a way to strengthen it with some help, whatever the case might be, on the offensive line uh, or wherever. Uh, But there are concerns on this roster. There's concerns on every roster, and I'm asking Raider fans uh, to let me know uh, at 702-365-9200, what is it that's keeping you up at night right now? Uh, I think this Raiders team is extremely close. I think this Raiders team, listen to NFL radio coming in today, and uh, there were legitimate talk that, you know, the Raiders and and really this entire division, uh, when you're talking about the AFC West, you can make a case for every all four of these teams to actually represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's how good I think the Raiders are. That's how good uh, other people are looking at this Raiders team. That's not to say that it's a guarantee they're going to the Super Bowl or that the Kansas City Chiefs, L.A. Chargers, or Denver Broncos are either. But there's enough talent here if the right things break and uh, the, the football powers that be – uh, you know, uh, cover the Raiders up uh, in some bubble uh, wrap and, and, and you know, make sure that they don't uh, suffer any devastating injuries or multiple devastating injuries if they can stay healthy, if the right breaks occur. There is enough talent on this team for the Raiders to compete with whoever they'll play on any given Sunday. I know that's a cliche, but it's the truth. 
the Raiders have the necessary talent to beat anyone on this um, uh, on this schedule, the 17-game schedule. And for that matter, if they're fortunate enough to reach the playoffs, whoever they'll play in the playoffs. I, I firmly believe that. When I was in Bakersfield over the weekend, you know, fans uh, were, were asking questions, obviously, and, and one of the questions, uh, what's a surprise win that you sort of have penciled in right now for the Raiders this year? I have them winning in Los Angeles against the Rams. I do. Uh, it's a Thursday game, um, you know, uh, but, but it's a Thursday game. It's in Los Angeles. It's at SoFi Stadium. We all know there's going to be a ton of Raider fans uh, in attendance. Uh, but I think the Raiders are, Raiders are going to have something up their sleeve in that game. And I think they're ready to compete against a team like that. Um, so if you're talking about talent, if you're talking about expectations, me saying that the Raiders have a chance to go to Los Angeles and win that game against the Rams, they're the Super Bowl champions. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. And until full, further notice, they get to wear that crown. But I sincerely believe the Raiders can go there and win that game against the Rams. I truly, truly believe that. Uh, but we want your thoughts. 702-365-9200. What do you want to see, hear about, read about uh, from OTAs uh, on Thursday when we're out there? What concerns you? What's keeping you up at night when you look at this Raiders roster? What area of the team? Is it the offensive line? Uh, I know a lot of people are still wondering about that, and with until further notice, uh, that's an area of the of the Raiders that they have to show improvement in. They did not play well enough along the offensive line last year. We've talked about all the reasons why that was. Uh, some of it was the gamble going into last year um, to free up money and trading some uh, you know high quality veteran players, Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. Trent Brown, when he was on the field, was a pretty good player. Um, not that he was on the field quite a bit with the Raiders, but nevertheless, he was a veteran that when he was on the field uh, delivered and and, uh, and and provided a pretty high level of play. So they traded those veterans uh, going with some youth in order to free up money to go fill some other holes on the team, hoping that you know some veteran leadership uh, with guys like Richie Incognito and Denzel Good would help sort of bridge the gap for some of the young players that they were counting on. It never happened. We've talked about that, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit. Richie Incognito was never available. Denzel Good only played half of uh, one half of of the season opener, and that was it. So they had to go to Plan B, Plan C, Plan D, and uh, it was just a constant struggle all throughout the season. Have the Raiders? Um, do the Raiders have what it takes within the building in that locker room? And whatever, you know, uh, fundamental shift that they're going to make this year, schematic shift that they're going to make this year, coaching, um, you know, with a new voice and and a new way of teaching and a new way of looking at things. Can that combination, Daryl, Dylan Parham Parham coming in from uh, the University of Memphis, uh, competing for uh, perhaps a starting job, that combination of things, is it enough to get this offensive line? Doesn't have to be great. But good would be really, really pivotal and important uh, for this team. Do you believe that that's the case? Do you have high hopes that that's the case, that that will actually happen? Is it cornerback? You know, um, obviously Trayvon Mullen, we talk about this. It's a question mark right now coming off the surgery. Uh, All signs point to him being good to go, ready to go, uh, somewhere around the start of training camp. The combination of him, Rock Yassin, Darius uh, Phillips, uh, Anthony Averett, uh, the, the, the additions that the Raiders have made um, on the perimeter uh, at cornerback, 
Nate Hobbs, uh, the second-year player who had a sensational rookie year, do you feel pretty good about cornerback right now? The secondary uh, in, in general. Give us a call, 702-365-9200 to help us out. Uh, and talking about uh, all of those things, we got Ryan Sakamoto uh, from uh, the Beast Rider newsletter will join us at 4.30. And then at 5.30, Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal uh, will be in the huddle to talk about the NFL and the Raiders specifically. Uh, looking forward to uh, checking in with uh, both Ryan and Greg uh, a little bit later on today. Uh, just want to let everyone know that this Half of In the Huddle is sponsored by the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. You know, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. The Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve it. Or deserve that. Uh, give them a call at 702-257-7246. Devon Cotton, going to bring in Devon, our great producer here. What keeps you up at night when you're thinking about this Raiders roster? Nothing at all. Wow. Wow. Usually the Well, most- that's because nothing about this Raiders roster is keeping me up at night because, hey, like I always say, that's a big of a Raider fan, but we do have a couple of tweets that I want to oh, get to boy. from some fans here Way to play along, Devon. <laughs> There's got to be something that Evercardo you're Evercardo317685495. <laughs> man, oh, man, that's a lot of numbers there, yes. Ricardo. But Ricardo Pena on Twitter, the O-line. Where and who lines up? Who stands out? How does Leatherwood look? These are some of the concerns. This is what's keeping Ricardo Pena up in there. And what he also wants to uh, hear about and read about. Yeah, you know, the offensive, is there, we have another one? Yes, we do as well. This is from Valerie Lopez at Valerie 51765190. No concerns with the roster, but I am curious if the Raiders are going to sign. Ooh, I do not know this name. Oh, and Dominican Sue. They spelled it wrong. That's why. Okay. Okay. All the Raiders going to sign in Dominican Sue. No, they're not going to sign uh, uh, Dominican Sue. And um, I don't know where that all kind of started, uh, but I but I saw it uh, on uh, on the old internet and uh, Twitter. Uh, people sort of speculating about that. I don't even think that it's necessarily a uh, schematic fit right there for uh, for Dominican Sue. He's been primarily a four, a four three defensive tackle. Does pretty good. I know he was in the three four with the Rams um, when they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. But you know, uh, he moved on pretty quickly from from the Rams, uh, moved on to Tampa Bay, and I think they, I think that's where he ends up staying anyway, uh, is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so I would say check that one off uh, the uh, the no fly zone. That that I don't believe uh, is going to happen. And uh, I'm with um, the the previous tweeter. Uh, who was talking about the offensive line? You know, is our, when we walk into practice on Thursday, are we going to see uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle? I, I I know and have been told, you know, basically that he's going to get an opportunity to win that job. Uh, that's what he was drafted to do. Uh, there aren't, as as somebody on on the previous staff uh, told me last week. Look, there's not a lot of guys. Uh, that have that kind of length, that kind of athletic ability, that kind of power, that kind of intelligence. Um, there was a reason why he was drafted to play that position, and there's no reason to think that he can't pull it off. Now, obviously, uh, it's going to come down to him. It's going to come down to him making the necessary improvements. It's going to come down to uh, the coaching staff, putting him in the right position, developing him. All the necessary things are all the the usual things that decide whether a player makes it or not. But when it comes to talent and ability, there's people that I've talked to don't feel like there's any reason why Alex Leatherwood can't succeed. Not to say that he's going to be a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but a good quality, dependable uh, productive 
NFL tackle, yeah, absolutely, that should be in his future. Um, it's why he was thought of along the lines that he was thought of. I'm not sitting here saying that anyone really thought of him as the, as the 17th pick overall, uh, but by all accounts, he was definitely in that second-round range, and usually when you get drafted in the second round is because people believe that you're going to be a productive NFL player. It doesn't always work out. We all understand that. We all get that. Uh, but but uh, I do think that the future uh, is still intact and still bright for Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and I think that the Raiders believe that it's going to happen at right tackle, or at least he's going to get an opportunity at right tackle. Uh, so we'll see. I think this is obviously a big year for him. And if he can lock it down, um, that position, then it just lifts this whole offensive line group um, in, a, in a major way. And going into this whole thing, you got to suspect that Denzel Good is probably the odds-on favorite to win back the right guard spot. He only played a half of last year uh, of one game, and it was a season opener. It was a huge loss when you really think about it. And things happen so fast in the NFL that you have no time to really dwell on it or think about it. I know talking to some staff members from last year, um, it was you just got to figure it out. That's what happens sometimes in the NFL. You can't account for it. You can't plan on it happening. Uh, but it's always in the back of your mind that it could happen. And right off the bat last year, uh, Demond, the Raiders' offensive line turned from very, uh, in, in a lot of ways, green and young with some veteran um, you know, uh, anchors that they were hoping on to none of that was 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 happening. They were literally four new offensive linemen last year uh right off the bat except for Colton Miller. So that's that's a lot to overcome. Yeah, it's a lot to overcome, but moving forward to this year's offensive line, I do think that Jermaine Illuminor is also going to be a player that's going to be a welcome sight to have back. You give me a, you shake your head, you like you don't I don't know. know. He had a, he, yeah, he he I don't know. I do think that he's going to be someone that could maybe if you cuz I camp up Alex Leatherwood moving back to right tackle yeah that you think he would like you just got to give him another chance we don't see yeah. we don't we don't know exactly we didn't get the full picture last season right. and if that's the case then I do I do think that Jermaine Illuminor is going to be someone that you can slide in there at right guard possibly I think that's Denzel I, good I think that who's going to play left guard uh either John Simpson or Dylan Parham I don't think you'd draft a guard that high without ha having some serious considerations that he's going to push for a starting job so I think that the left guard is going to be um, – uh, well, Yeah, there's always consideration, but we just don't know. And I do yeah. think that Illuminor, he's got that familiarity mm -hmm. with the New England system. No doubt so about it. So you can't count him out. No, no, no. And I'm not. I think he's actually going to be um, a, a quote-unquote important player as a swing player that can go, swing from tackle to guard. Uh, you know, uh, And I think that he's going to have – a little bit of hands full uh, fighting off an Alex Bars who kind of profiles the same exact way. Can play guard, can play center, can play tackle. Um, I think that's I think that's the value that and, – and no doubt he could come in here and win a job. And I've been writing this and I've been saying this. Whoever ends up as the top five, they're going to have earned it because not, there's not going to be anything that's given uh, on, on this team. Uh, the one concern that I have with Jermaine Illuminar and I and – I, um, he, he, he wasn't done any favors. I mean, he literally showed up the week before or a few days before the season opener, and then all of a sudden he's starting. He hadn't been here during OTAs, training camp, uh, none of that. And all of a sudden 
uh, in the blink of an eye, he's being asked to play, you know, uh, guard, and he didn't ha- he didn't play well enough to to hold on to his job, and that's why the Raiders had to make some of the changes that they made. So maybe, like you said, having um, you know been here or played under the system for a little while uh, with the Patriots. Um, you know, and he moved on from the Patriots too. He 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 went on to play elsewhere. So I don't know, but I think I I think the preference would probably be that Jermaine Illuminar is a guy that um, if he doesn't come out and just decidedly win the job, he's 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 an important piece as a um, you know a versatile backup, a guy that can back up both guard spots and really both tackle spots too. Uh, and, and I think you need that. And I think. Um, you know, uh, we'll see where Brandon Parker ends up. I think ideally Brandon Parker is a swing tackle, you know, somebody that's going to be able to back up both spots. I know that he hasn't played great, but he's, you know, uh, as, as a, as a backup, I don't, I, I think he's in a pretty good position to, to provide what you need to do from that position. He's not going to embarrass himself. The guy last year as it got pushed into the starting job, I don't think anyone ever expected that to happen. They still won 10 games and made the playoffs. And if that's your backup uh, guard, uh, tackle, that's not the worst thing to have. He's he's an experienced, been in the NFL for now four years, uh, isn't going to be um, intimidated by anything, has been there, done that as a backup tackle on an emergency situation, not the worst option to have. Well, the argument you just made there for me, that's moving me closer to why not keep Leatherwood at right guard if you're saying that, hey, Parker's floor, the team still won 10 games with him at right Because I think Alex Leatherwood has a chance to be pretty good. I really do. I think that Alex Leatherwood right now is – Last year was as good as Brandon Parker was, and I think his future is brighter. I think his ceiling is 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 higher. Um, I think that as a, I think that's the the preference would be for him to win the starting job at right tackle and live up to his expectations because his expectations are pretty high. And you said that you spoke to someone last season. Oh, from that was on last year's coaching staff. Yes. Well, that's just with someone who, no offense. They had those projections of him. Maybe this upcoming regime, if you like, hey, Dave Ziegler, if we could get you to take a bit of truth serum, where did he rank on the New England draft board in the 2021 draft? And they might say, yeah, we probably had him rated as you know a second or a third round right. pick. We don't know that. No, no. So just because one team takes you in the first round, that doesn't mean that you live up to first round projections. Right. Because another team, because Dave Ziegler, like I said, coming from New England, they probably could say if you asked him, Hey, yeah, we kind of had him as like a second-round player. We we didn't think that he was a first-round pick, and none of which matters anymore. It the, doesn't matter, but I'm saying point, when you say like live up to those, um, to like his to be his a, potential, yeah. But that's as the potential. A starting tackle. That's the potential that another regime put on him. True, but that doesn't mean that there's. I I, I get what you're saying, but whether whether the Patriots listed him as a second-round pick or a third-round pick, I think anywhere if you if you're picked in those first three rounds. The expectation is that you're going to be a that you have the potential to be a starting player in this league. All right, not a backup, not a swing guy, not this, not that, but a but a dependable starting player. And I think the Raiders, I think the Raiders showed their cards a little bit that they think that that is is there for him, or else they would have gone out to me and made sure to go sign somebody that they feel can we can plug that person in right now and is going to start and is going to solve that 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 uh, that that issue. Got a text on the Salmon Ash text line 69187 keyword RNR. What up Vinny and Demond? Big JT from Santa Cruz. Looking forward to Love seeing Santa the Cruz. offensive line especially on the right side. Colton Miller is obviously left tackle. Mm-hmm. I would put Good at right guard, the rookie at left guard, and Leatherwood at right tackle. I would also say the linebacker room. How will it look, and will Abram be in it? 
Yeah, well, I I don't think you're gonna see Jonathan listed as a as a linebacker, but I think, um, and I'm I'm curious about that as well. Last year he played a position that was, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. They call it the box safety position. I, I mean, to me, you have to. That's where he has to line up. Uh, I don't think that you know you can you can you can do much else with him because he becomes a liability uh, in coverage, and we've seen that. Uh, over the uh, over the course of his career, the other part about Jonathan, the, the other issue with Jonathan uh, Abrams, Jonathan Abram is he hasn't played a full season yet either. You know, he he struggles to stay uh, on the field, including last year. Um, you know, with with the shoulder injury. But I will say this, Devon. To me, last year, playing the role that he played, while he wasn't great, and I'm not advocating that he needs to be re-signed to a big contract uh, or even have his fifth-year option picked up, but when he was out there, he was playing pretty well. He was he was playing pretty darn well uh, for the Raiders in the role that he had. So I think uh, you give uh, the, the defensive staff last year a lot of credit for figuring out what can Jonathan Abram do, what is it that he doesn't do. Let's not put him in those kind of positions where his weakness is going to get, just get uh, exploited over and over again, which it had been under Paul Gunther. They kept asking him to do things that he's not that proficient at. And the whole thing is, everyone knew that. If you just look at the the scouting report coming in uh, to the NFL from college, the uh, coverage skills were always an issue. And yet, for whatever reason, uh, the, the previous uh, defensive coaching staff kept putting, in, putting him in position where that became an issue. We saw that over and over and over again. So, um, you know, and I'm, I'm interested, Devon, in seeing Tyree Gillespie. He was another player that was drafted, what was it, the third or, yeah, I think it was a third-round pick last year, fourth round maybe, uh, somebody that I think profiles as uh, a contributor uh, at safety. So, you know, I think he's going to get an opportunity to, to show what he's all about. Uh, I'm with you on the linebackers, Divine Diablo, Denzel Perryman, um, you know, uh, they went out and got Jayon Brown. They went out and got Micah Kaiser, uh, Kenny Young, uh, who they who they uh, just signed. I think there's, um, I think there's an, an, enough there to get you through a season. Do they need a star linebacker at some point? Yes, absolutely. Can Divine Diablo be somebody that's a dynamic player? I I think that what we saw last year, um, if he continues to improve, he might have a chance to be a not a star, but somebody that. It can be a starting caliber player on a playoff team. What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm all in on Divine Diablo. Uh, yeah. I'm all in. I do think maybe not a star because it, that depends on what's your definition of a right, star. Right, exactly. But a quality starter in the NFL yeah. where any team would be happy to have him, I do think that he's on the cusp of being a player like that for right. sure. And I think we forget how good uh, Perryman was last year too. He was a baller uh, last year. Um, but what is his role going to look like this year? Is he going to? It's a. It's going to be a different scheme. We know that. Um, is he going to be on the field? Is he going to be a three down uh, linebacker? We know that he was uh, challenged sometimes in coverage. He made a couple jokes about that uh, in the Pro Bowl because he's not. Uh, he's what five eleven maybe. Six, yes. You know, so that's going to get, you know, you're going to, what do you think offenses are going to do? They're going to find out where the mismatches are and exploit it. So they're going to put somebody that's 6'6", and, 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 and you know, if, if Denzel is out there and, and, and they're scheming something up in the pass game, they're going to try to get him on a tall, <laughs> tight end uh, and let that person's size advantage be the difference uh, in, in, in him uh, making the player. Go ahead. All right. Another tweet. This is from D on Twitter. How new DC plans on using 
cornerback safeties rotation. Who will start? Will Joker be cornerback or safety or linebacker? Will certainly produce more pressures on QBs. Will that equate to more interceptions? With the arms in the AFC West alone, we'll need them. Raider Nation for life. Yeah, there's no doubt that turnovers are going to be uh, a big deal. And you have to have them. Like, like, like he just mentioned, the offenses that you're facing, especially in your own division, uh, are so prolific that, and we've talked about this so many times, Damon, um, you're not going to stop anybody completely, but you need to get stops. <laughs> you need to get a handful of stops, three or four sometimes, uh, in the course of a game. And, and part of that also, uh, not just making stops, but also creating some turnovers. And if you're looking at uh, cornerback, uh, we'll get into it in just a little bit, but uh, Rock Yassin, uh, Trayvon Mullen, Anthony Averett, Darius Phillips, uh, Cravon LeBlanc, uh, Nate Hobbs, um, who am I missing? Uh, Amik Robertson is still in the picture. So uh, th- those Trayvon Mullen, Trayvon Mullen, Anthony Averett, Rock Yassin, Darius Phillips, uh, Cravon LeBlanc, Nate Hobbs, I think is that's, 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 probably going to be the bulk of the rotation anybody can you know uh, step in and surprise but I think that's going to be the rotation in some form or, or fashion uh, and I and I do like I know that we haven't seen these guys in Raider uniforms quite a bit obviously uh, a bunch of these newcomers but I think that they're I think I liked what they did in terms especially the rotation the depth of this cornerback room um, it might not be star-studded but it's capable, and all the players that I just mentioned have shown some sort of prof- uh, proficiency to play at an NFL level, and that's what you need to expect, uh, especially from your backups. Are they going to be able to come on the field uh, and be an asset and not be a weakness? You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a Tuesday. We are live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We've got game four of the Golden State Warriors against the uh, Dallas Mavericks coming up uh, later tonight. I can't. I mean, that game, that series is over, no doubt about it. I can't figure out uh, what the heck's going on with the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. I just felt like the Heat, I mean, with with all the injuries of the Celtics on, uh, you know, was it Sunday? or uh, Yeah, I guess it was Sunday. You got to win that game. You've got to win that game. There's no, you got to take control of that series, but they didn't. Uh, so uh, that thing's, I think, all tied up, right? Or is it two to one? I, I forget. I think yeah, it is. It is tied up. I can't make uh, heads or tail of, tails of it. I have been uh, not arguing with Demond, but I just don't think there's any great teams right now in the NBA. I don't think there's a, you know all the respect uh, to the Golden State Warriors, and I think that now they're probably going to win it. And they they got a lot of championship moxie. They've got uh, they're the best team remaining. But are we talking about great teams right now, uh, like like we have in the past? The great Celtic teams, the great Warrior teams uh, from a couple of years ago, the great Laker teams. Um, I don't I don't think so. We're just in that kind of weird uh, spot right now uh, with um, with the NBA, and we're just we're getting champions. I'm not sure we're getting great teams right now, and that's okay. 
Uh, we can we can deal with that. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in a new friend uh, of the show. He was on uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and we enjoyed it so much that we invited him back. And we're talking about Ryan Sakamoto uh, from the uh, Beast Writer uh, um, newsletter, and uh, he he does a great job covering the NFL and the Raiders specifically. Uh, Ryan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? We are doing good, and uh, we are talking about. Uh, finally getting a chance to see this version of the Raiders uh, starting on Thursday. Uh, the media is going to be out there uh, watching practice from about uh, 10 o'clock to noon uh, on Thursday. And, uh, Ryan, what are you more, most curious uh, about this Raiders team right now? I want to see how the offensive line melt, uh, gels. I want to see how Dylan Parham does You know, going through those rookie mistakes that he's going to have, going through those mental reps that he's going to have. And I want to see how the interior of the offensive line is really going to mesh. The outside, you know, we can talk about Colton Miller. I think he's going to, obviously he's going to protect the blind side. But on the right side, what's going to happen also with Alex Leatherwood? You know, we saw him at Alabama. He started at right guard, right? He was in the pin situation and then had to play left tackle for Jonah Williams, stayed out there uh, replacing Jedrick Will. So, you know, he has some flexibility there. I would like to see Alex Leatherwood. I think his best position and uh, this is just my opinion. I think he's better suited to be kicked inside. Now, can he play outside? I'm hoping that he can, and I think he does have the NFL traits to do that, and that would create a systematic best five that we talked about in the Patriot way two weeks ago where you're trying to formulate the best five offensive linemen regardless of the positions, and you kind of want the best five players on the football field that give you the best versatility and trying to win those schemes that you're trying to bring up week in and week out. So the best-case scenario that I, that I believe that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels want is they want Colton Miller and Alex Leatherwood as the tackles, and then they have with one a three-way camp battle between Denzel Good, Dylan Parham, and, of course, John Simpson. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned uh, the right side of the offensive line, and you just mentioned Denzel Good, and that's where I kind of want to start here. Uh, it feels like we're almost forgetting about Denzel Good and, and – uh, how important he was going into the season last year, and the Raiders were deprived of that uh, due to an ankle, or excuse me, a knee injury. Uh, how important is it for the Raiders to get a little bit of a stabilizing force back uh, in Denzel Good uh, in the interior of the offensive line? Oh, it's huge. I mean, from a veteran presence alone, he can do so much. He can mentor Dylan Parham. He can mentor John Simpson. Both those guys are very young, and they're also based for the power-based run team. I like Denzel Good. I think we're forgetting to mention Denzel Good because it's towards ACL, just like if, you know, the draft just happened, right? So no one was talking about Jamison Williams, but I tweeted out many times. Just because the guy towards his ACL doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player and come back. This is not like the 1970s or 1980s where if you tear your ACL, your, your career is over. It's more the norm than the exception these days, and I think the way physical therapy and the way fitness has kind of evolved, that kind of plays a key role in these players that can come back from these torn meniscus injuries, torn ACLs, MCLs, and they can come back even stronger sometimes. Ryan, we also, uh, you know, uh, uh, not that we forget, but, um, you know, uh, maybe overlook a little bit that uh, Andre James was making his first year, first uh, was in his first year as a starting center in the NFL, a converted tackle uh, over from, from UCLA. But when you watched him play last year, and I felt like over the second half of the season, he kicked it into another gear, settled down, uh, and became a, a reliable NFL center. Um, what were your thoughts on, on Andre James' season last year and uh, where he might be moving forward. You hit it on the nail. 
I agree with you 110%. I saw in the first year he was going through those, you know, hiccups, if you will, and making line calls and so forth. And then in the second half, you kind of see the continuity and the familiar, uh, and how he's familiar with the offensive scheme and how he knows, okay, this is the Mike linebacker, obviously calling out the mic. He, he understood different pre-snap alignments. He understood the film study. You can see it in just watching the all 22 film that we get from game pass. So, I like what Andre James means to the table. If you kind of look at the two to three out, two to three year outlook, I think what you see from Andre James is a serviceable center with even Pro Bowl potential. I like what he brings to the NFL um, NFL game and specifically the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm with you, uh, Ryan. Uh, I think that um, you're, you're going to have a pretty spirited fight, uh, especially, I think, at left guard. And I think it's going to come down to John Simpson uh, and Dylan Parham. Uh, I don't know that for sure. And it, it could have any, it could flow any different way uh, or any number of ways. But I think that that's what's going to happen uh, over at left guard. Um, what did you like about Dylan Parham when you did your film study of him uh, at Memphis and what he brings to the table? He's a mauler in the run game. Another thing that I really like is when I evaluate offensive linemen and scout offensive linemen, I look at versatility. I look at how guys can move in space or if they can't move in space, if they're scheme-dependent or if they're scheme-diverse. That, by default, is going to raise these draft prospects up the board because, let's face it, the NFL stands for not for long, right? And so if you have a new coaching staff coming in, well, that high-round pick may not be a scheme fit, so then you're going to have to ship them out if it be a three, third, fourth-round pick, whatever the case may be. but you know, So when you see Dylan Parham, you see a guy who can be scheme-diverse because he can pull, he can trap, and then he can also hit that second level. So obviously there's some uh, weaknesses in this game. Uh, I pointed that out on YouTube and on Twitter. But what I really see from Dylan Parham, I think that was a steal in the third round. I really like that pick at number 90. I think Dave Ziegler did a hell of a job in getting him out of Memphis, and I think the Raider Nation are going to learn to appreciate what Dylan Parham brings to the table because he brings something every rookie should bring, and I think that's a strong work ethic. And what I've been told, he has that strong work ethic down to a key. Talking to Ryan Sakamoto uh, from uh, Beast Rider Newsletter. Uh, flipping over to the other side of the uh, football field, uh, Ryan, um, Trayvon Mullen at this point, um, still a little bit of a question mark uh, behind his name. We'll see when he gets healthy, when he's cleared to play uh, and get out there and compete for a starting job. But when you look at that cornerback room, let's just assume um, that Trayvon is good to go. Um, and, uh, you know, the foot injury is behind him. He's able to uh, to compete for a starting job on a legitimate level. Um, what do you like about the cornerback room right now? Uh, what gives you some concerns? What I like is the potential, right? You see it in Nate Hobbs' game. You see it in Rocket Sims' game. <clears throat> so you have the potential there. Trayvon Mullen obviously has potential. But if you're not living up to the potential or the hype, it really doesn't mean much, right? you got to live up to that P word that we all talk about. Potential is great, but you got to live up to it. So uh, to cut that with a knife and kind of play devil's advocate here, there are things that need to be worked on, right? I think a lot of these cornerbacks, when I watch game film, they open their hips up too early. And when you do that, you're basically losing your leverage, whether they pre-snap to post-snap. And so if you're playing with the inside shade or an outside shade and you're in the, lined up in the slot or if you're lined up outside on the split end, you don't want to open your hips and give the wide receiver any kind of wiggle room for them to work with in terms of real estate and the underneath intermediate and deep passing game. So what I want to see is more better sound fundamentals and staying square at the line of scrimmage and not opening up their hips too early. And I think these all these players are very, very 
they have the skill set to do it. Now it's just a matter of doing it. So I think with this new coaching staff, they're going to go back to the X's and O's. And in OTAs, I mean, I'm not, I'm not there, even though I'm right across the street from the stadium or from Henderson right now, the headquarters, Mountain headquarters. Um, I see these cornerbacks doing a really good job and getting coached up really well because this coaching staff, if there's anything that they do well, it's coaching up these DBs. Yeah, uh, I'm interested. Right, I'm interested to uh, to see what that uh, how that kind of manifests itself, uh, especially with the new staff. I thought the Raiders did a pretty good job uh, last year of of putting together a a decent uh, to solid uh, cornerback room that was able to you know um, be an asset uh, on the on the second level of the defense. But when we go over to safety, uh, what are your expectations this year for for Jonathan Abram, um, and how high of a ceiling do you have for Trayvon Morrig? Yeah, Trayvon Moore, man, that guy has total potential, too. I mean, I see a guy who is a hard hitter. He's very smart on the back end. I, I really like that pick. i got to be honest, I, I didn't like that pick early on when the draft, when the draft pick was made, but I do really like uh, Trayvon Moore and what he brought to the table his rookie year. Um, as for Jonathan Abram, he's kind of a wild card. There's a reason why Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels didn't extend any fifth-year options to any of those three first-round picks, right? Whether it be Josh Jacobs, Abram, or whoever, right? So you, when you look at it, Clayton Farrell, so when you look at it, you really want to make sure that in Jonathan Abram, he's a traditional box safety, right? And if, if you look at Bill Belichick and you talk about the Patriot way and the safety that he has, right, you look at guys like Patrick Chung on the back end, right? These guys have some versatility in their games to where you can kind of play the back end how they see fit. Well, if you're lined up and you're a quarterback and you know that Jonathan Abram's about to be a real threat covering the deep third or even the deep uh, deep half or quarters, but quarters coverage, whatever the case may be, that's going to cause for concern. And how do you how do you win that game? Well, you have to watch a lot of film study and then kind of pre-snap your leverage that way. If you don't have the makeup speed or the range to cover that much ground, so when it comes to Jonathan Abram, I really want to see that range. We all know he can be a hard-hitting traditional box safety, but again, in today's NFL and the past happy NFL, you have to be intertwined to do both. And I think Jonathan Abram. In this instance, I haven't seen enough film to me to warrant that he has that range to cover that much ground. Yeah, I hear you, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that all plays out. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you down the road, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, and go Raiders. That was Ryan Sakamoto from uh, the Beast Writer uh, newsletter. Uh, read his stuff. He does a really good job. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders Beat Writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Going right back out to the Raider Nation, uh, actually the Realty One Group listener line, because Jim is in Pennsylvania. How you doing, Jim? Hey, what's up, Vinny B? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. Thank you for calling. I think you're going to get to that Realty One without tripping over it one time or another. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, I love what you were just talking about with the offensive line and and, and talking through the – I I agree, Parham was probably – steal there not the sexiest pick but probably a steal but i actually want to talk on the other side of the ball let's mm-hmm. talk a little defensive line okay i'm curious to get uh a couple things i'm curious to get your 
your input on what you are seeing and hearing and thinking. I mean, it's a lot of the ads they've made are not the sexiest in the world. Um, I watched a ton of highlight tape of that guy, Bilal, if that's how you say his name. From Bilal Chicago. Nichols from uh, yeah. the Chicago Bears. Yeah, good player. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, I'm really impressed with this kid. Like, if you watch him, he's a beast. I mean, he's got a motor that never stops from the inside. And that's where we've needed help for so long, in my opinion. He's like a bigger Max Crosby from the inside, right? So, um, and when we brought the guy uh, uh, from over from Chicago as our assistant GM, that was his first pluck. Right? That was his first guy he brought over. So, I have to think that he loves him and, and he sees him every day and has seen him for a while. So, but curious to see uh, what you think overall about the, the defensive line. Cleve Farrell, God, I mean, it, maybe I'm just a sucker because that whole draft class was awful, but I just, can we get him to work out? Like, I really, I'm, every day I wake up thinking I'm going to read he was cut and they're not even going to give him a chance, but it doesn't make sense to cut him. I hope they at least give him a real shot in camp and maybe with a new uh, a new scheme that he'll he'll actually make a difference. And then also, lastly, what are you hearing? I'm hearing some rumors that I'm reading from the outside, though, but nobody from the inside about possibly Ndamukong Sue. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, first of all, thanks for all the uh, all the input, Jim. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, Indomitian? No, uh, that's not going to happen. That, from what I'm told, uh, that's that's not on the on the Raiders' radar. Uh, I, anything can happen, obviously, but I would uh, I would rule the, that one out for now. Um, when you're talking about the defensive line, let's just go uh, through it. Uh, Bilal Nichols, they brought in from the Chicago Bears. Jonathan Hankins re-signed. He's the nose tackle right now. Uh, Vernon Butler, uh, he played at Buffalo uh, last year. Uh, he's one of the defensive tackles. Uh, obviously, Max Crosby um, listed as out, outside linebacker. Remember, they're moving to a 3-4. Uh, behind those guys, Kendall Vickers, Andrew Billings, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler, uh, Kyler Pecco from uh, Buffalo as well, uh, Cleo Farrell, we, we talked about, Malcolm Coon. Uh, Jerry Green and uh, Zach Van uh, Veckenberg, uh, who was an undrafted free agent. So uh, they did a lot of work. Um, and if you remember, they didn't have many guys under contract. Uh, if we go back to last year, they signed a bunch of dudes on one-year deals. Uh, and so there's major turnover. And, it, and in a way, it was actually uh, – obviously the Raiders hadn't planned this way, uh, planned it this way because Mike Mayock and John Gruden fully expected to be in their jobs as we speak right now. But um, it, it was it almost worked to the Raiders' favor that they signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals. Why do you say that? Because they're changing defensive fronts. So the guys from last year wouldn't have necessarily fit into this year. Uh, so the fact that th- those guys were on one-year deals, the Raiders were easily, you know, it was easier for them uh, to move on from those guys and then go sign guys that profiled better uh, in this system. I'm curious to see what Bilal Nichols brings uh, to the table. Like you, Jim, uh, I've watched a lot of tape. The guy's a good football player, uh, and there's no way that a guy like Champ Kelly, who was in uh, Chicago uh, as the, as as uh, you know pro personnel director um, or assistant pro per- personnel director, obviously he likes him and he brought him in. It was one of the first signings that the Raiders had. Uh, Andrew Billings from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Jonathan Hankins. Obviously, we know what what he's capable of doing. It'll be interesting to see how he fares now playing um, a traditional nose tackle uh, position. Vernon Butler uh, as well, and of course we know what Max. Crosby can do. Clee Farrell, 
I mean, this is his last chance. Let's let's face it. And um, he's going to have to show in whatever manner that the Raiders plan to use him. I think he's going to kick inside a little bit more uh, in this defense. But in any way that the Raiders use him, he has to show uh, that he can be a capable player. I thought when he was on the field last year, um, he played hard. Uh, he he did his job. He was in a rotation uh, as, a, as a defensive end, didn't make a whole lot of plays necessarily, wasn't in there uh, for, for many plays, to be perfectly honest with you. So it'll see, it'll, it'll be interesting to see um, what that looks like. But I'll say this, I wouldn't rule out maybe that's a guy that the Raiders uh, trade at some point. Um, maybe there's a better fit for him someplace else. Maybe there's a clean slate. He's going to get that clean slate here, but maybe it doesn't work necessarily for him here. Uh, so that's a guy that, you know, when you look at the numbers of this of this defensive line, uh, and especially that they went out and drafted Matthew Butler and drafted Neil Farrell, uh, two guys that I know that the Raiders uh, have a lot of high hopes for, uh, maybe that means that Clee Farrell uh, is – you know, on the outside looking in, who knows what you might be able to go get uh, for him. I'm sure it's not going to be a high draft pick, obviously, but maybe there is something out there uh, that they can get if it goes down that road. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday.